how married couples start to look alike over, over time. Like, like the, the longer they're together, the more they start to look alike. Has anyone noticed that? You know, we've, we've had some couples at some of our churches, they, they wear very similar outfits where I'm convinced the wife actually picks the outfit for the man, and probably the man wants the wife to pick the outfit because it's easier that way. And so, so they would come to church wearing, you know, almost matching, completely matching outfits, you know, where you, where you would be able to assume that that was intentional. And couples that have been together for a long time start to look like one another. And I like the, I like the actual scientific approach behind it because it's not, just, it's not just like they wear the same clothes, but their facial expressions actually start to look alike. So they actually start to smile the same way. They get some of the same lines on their faces because they eat the same fatty food. Their, their whole body starts to look similar. Uh, they pick up phrases, right? They, they, say, they say things similarly. They, they'll even use the exact same catchphrase, maybe that your family has and does that. Um, um, they have the same mannerisms. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I can see this in my family and in my kids where, where some of the mannerisms I have, they pick up on and they do the same things. Um, and in fact, one of our kids' favorite games, especially the younger kids, is the mirror game. Anyone, everyone knows what the mirror game is? No? It's the repetition game, right? So if I were to say... I'm waiting for somebody to kind of, there we go. Now we're starting to play the mirror game. Yeah. And, and the way, the, my, uh, my youngest, Harper, will start to do that. I knew Stefan would help me out with that. And, and she'll do it, and then my wife ends the game really quickly by saying, so, you know, that I, I'm going to clean my room all day, you know, something like that. And then she doesn't want to say that. So we play, you know, we play the mirror game, but we actually, as, as we're in a family, we start to look like one another. We start to act like one another, talk like one another, smell like one another, because if your family eats garlic, your whole family smells like garlic. You know what I mean? So, so we become like one another. You might say we echo one another. And that reminds me, out, out where we live, you know, uh, We've got this great expanse around us. We were just walking around yesterday enjoying the weather while we were burning some stuff and burning some things as we're trying to work our way through the basement and all of the junk that we've collected down there that, that doesn't have a place because it was in a different spot in a different house. And so we're working our way through all of that stuff, and so we're burning some stuff and boxes and just junk. And, and as we're kind of walking back to the house, you stop and look, wow, we're really, it's such a great place to live. Can you believe this is our home? And, and behind us, there's, there's a place where they had just logged. I remember this last summer after they logged it, and I was outside. I don't remember where I was, but our kids were playing on the swing set, and, and our swing set has a squeak to it. And, and it's just kind of this, it's not, a, it's not a really annoying squeak, but it's not a pleasant squeak either, but it's just this kind of, ah! Ah, ah, kind of a sound, and, and, but I was hearing it, and when I was out in the field, where I was hearing it come from was way down this way, not up from where the swings were, and I just kind of hearing the sound, like, 
what is that? I was, I was hearing the echo of the swing as it went down where they just logged down here and so sound could travel down into this valley and kind of come back over to where I was and I could hear the echo. And then, then it sound because the echo is so long, it takes so long to get there, you could hear my kids playing and some of the things they were saying, but by the time I heard it, it was you know three seconds or so after they had said it or after they had done it. So I was convinced there were other people down here in this valley and, and I needed to go confront them, but it was just my kids and their echo coming down. It was an exact echo, an exact replication. Just like couples become an echo of one another. Well, this whole chapter in Luke 8 is, is about the relationship between listening and doing and what that has to do with our faith. Listening and doing and what that has to do with our faith. And last week we talked about the soils and, and how our, our hearts can be hard and we can be hardened and proud and our pride can keep us from being in a position where we can hear from God. And then that was the first soil, the path, the, the hard path. The second soil was the rocky soil. And we talked about how we can be impatient. And, and when we're impatient, we, we, have, you know, we can have something spring to life, but it doesn't take root. It doesn't really go down deep into the soil. And so it dies whenever testing comes. And then the third one was, was the thorns and how we talked about our, our soil can be too unfocused or we can have a lack of focus. And, and we can just kind of welcome in and receive all of these things, but, but we aren't focused and we want to be like that fourth soil, which starts with humility, taking hold, laying hold of that seed and grasping it and clinging to it as it comes to life in us. And so this whole, this whole chapter is about this idea of listening and doing and faith and how something comes to life. And so keep that in mind as we read through these 10 verses here, 16 verse. Uh, 16 through 25. I don't have these on the screen for you except for one, and we'll come back to it, and it's the one we're going to dig in. So just listen. This is Jesus talking. Right after the parable of the sower. He says, No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. So I thought I'd bring, this is our blackout light. Night's an LED light. This thing, I went and did a bunch of reviews on uh, Amazon, and they say this thing lasts forever, and it really does. We put batteries in this. I just replaced them because they were starting to, to dim, but um, we put batteries in this like three years ago, and we'd leave it on all night when the power goes out of our house in the hallway so that the kids can see to get to the bathroom and that kind of thing. Uh, but it's an amazing light. So if you need a light, this is a good one to buy if you need a lantern. But it says, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar, or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. And this verse here, Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken from them. 
Now, Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. And he replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey. Let's jump back to verse 18. I've got this. uh, We can put this up on the screen for you. So um, verse 18 says, Therefore, consider carefully... How you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. And and when I was reading through this section and studying through, you can ask Jim, I wrestled with this all the way through until yesterday and just didn't quite know what it was that we were supposed to focus on and teach on. And and I felt like this was the verse, but I was afraid to focus on this verse because it's a really strong statement, right? Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. So whoever has will be given more. So if you have faith, if you have the truth, if you have the light, you will get more. But if you don't have it, even what you think you have will be taken away from you. And I was struck by this contrast between the light, which is something we perceive with our eyes, And Jesus' statement to be careful how you listen. Right? It doesn't seem to make sense. Why would Jesus talk about the light, which is something we see? You don't hear the light, right? You see the light. And then then say, be careful how you listen. And and I wasn't sure how how to really focus in on this verse until I started doing some research and it totally caught me off guard because I was looking at words in the Greek, which I don't read Greek, but I was looking up words in the Greek and their definitions. And so I was looking at, okay, words like consider carefully. Consider carefully. Okay, so, okay, that just seems to say what it says. And then then listen. Okay, okay, that means to listen, to hear, to learn, you know, that kind of a thing. And I was just kind of looking. And so, you know, I was looking at some of the other words that had definitions and one of the words that they had defined was the word has. And I thought, has, has. I mean, it's just such a simple word. We use it all the time. I have, I have, you know, I have this, I don't have that. You know, he has this, she has that. It's just such a common word. It's just, you know, just a word we kind of gloss over. But, but when I looked it up, this is what the word, the Greek for the word has is. Let's look at it up on the screen. Echo. The Greek word is echo. 
ECHO. That's what the word is there. So, so that's what and it means this. It means to, this should sound familiar. Echo means to have and to hold. Does that sound familiar? If you've been to a wedding, you've heard that phrase. That's probably where this phrase comes from, that, that it means to have and to hold. Echo means to possess, to have in the hand. In the sense of wearing, it means to be dressed. So, so, so it means you are, are wearing the clothes. You don't just have them, but you're wearing the clothes. Anyone, it means it's talking about anyone joined by the bonds of marriage, natural blood, friendship, duty, law, etc., companionship, echo. So let's read that verse again with that, with that understanding. Whoever has, echo, whoever has, having to hold, possesses, will be given more. Whoever does not have, echo, whoever does not possess, relationship, friendship, dressed, even what they think they have will be taken from them. So whoever echoes will be given more, and whoever does not echo, even what they think they echo, will be taken from them. This doesn't really fit nice and neat in our kind of politically correct society where we don't like to say anything offensive. And I understand that. And, and I hope when you hear me talk about a topic like this, you know that I'm saying it because I love all of you. And I love Christ in us. And what I want for us is the real deal. I, I don't want us to, to kind of have this fake Christianity where, where we, we attend church whenever it's convenient, but it doesn't really affect our lives outside of Sunday. My, my desire, and this is why I get so passionate and so worked up, which is why I'm trying to back off a little bit and relax, so, um, is, is that we actually get the real thing that, that Christ died for. And I think so much of it is we, we've kind of, we've tried to find the middle ground. We've tried to find we've tried to find the balance between being a Christ follower and having faith, and and then and then there's okay well you know there's non-believers but they're all the way over here they're, they're all the way on this side of the spectrum they're, they you know they just they don't believe and and we've tried to find well okay so here I'm. I mean, I'm a believer. I'm, I'm not a non-believer. I'm, I'm a believer, but, you know, some of this is kind of convenient and easy. Others, so, you know, we kind of, I think, kind of do this shuffling game where we're bouncing between being a believer and, and tending towards the focus and then kind of reacting against that and then drifting back over here to unbelief. And we think that we can, we can have this middle ground where, where we can just kind of be... In the balance. But that's not what Jesus says here. It's not whoever has and, and whoever has some. It's not whoever has a little and whoever has a lot. It's not. It's not whoever is who has 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 been growing in it, and, and people who are kind of dying in it. It's just you have it, or you don't. It's 
Whoever has, whoever does not have. There's no middle ground. Either you echo or you don't, right? You're either echoing your focus or, or you're echoing the world. And I think what Jesus was getting at here, especially in contrast with the seed, is that you can't hear God's word, you can't hear God's truth, and just stay neutral. Because by, by, by trying to stay neutral is a choice not to take it, right? By, by, by trying to stay in the middle and keep this middle ground, what we're saying is, I like the idea of God. I like the, I, like the, I really like the idea that I'm saved. And I like the idea that Jesus paid for my life on the cross and that, that everything he did for me was, was because he loved me. And I like all of that, but, but the cost is too high. It's like, okay, so, so I like that Jesus paid it all, but don't make me pay anything. Right? I mean, I mean he paid it all on the cross, and, and so, okay, I get the gift of salvation, but in the meantime, I'm going to kind of hang out over here on this side. And, and I got grace, and I'm good, right? I got the grace, and so I don't really have to worry about it because I got the grace, I got saved, and I got all the faith and all that stuff, so I don't really have to worry about it. And we want to say, well, it's, you know, I, can, I can find the balance. I can, I can find the balance between, between being all in with God and still kind of not standing out too much with my faith and not, and not, not being too weird, not being one of those crazy Christians that's all the time talking about Jesus, right? It's like, I can find the balance. I can find the middle ground of what Jesus says. You have it. Or you don't. And he says, even what they think they have will be taken away from them. That's the key part. What they think they have. You either have it or you don't. So, so you might think you have it. You, you, might, you might think that I've got it, but, but really I'm just... If I'm trying to find the balance in this middle ground, standing on the seesaw, trying to make it work on both sides, I don't have anything. We can't hear God's truth and stay neutral. So we either become like it and we become like God and draw closer to God, or we ignore it and deceive ourselves and look away from the truth and embrace deception. And I would say there's a lot of self-deception in the church today. These three stories give us three great contrasts. They give us three great pictures to, to really help grasp this concept. And this is, this is what Luke is doing here in this chapter. He's kind of making, making a point, and then he gives a, a good parable at the beginning. He gives three short stories to re-illustrate it, and he gives two more examples at the end to really help the point get driven home, is that, that listening and doing equals faith. This is what faith looks like. We listen and we do, and that's how we see that we have faith. And I love the contrast here when Jesus is out on the boat and the disciples are in the boat and Jesus told them to get in the boat and here they are in the boat that, that Jesus told them to get on and they go out and they have the storm and the, and the waves are crashing over the boat and the boat is filling with water as all of these waves come crashing in to the boat and the disciples start to panic and say, we're going to die, right? We're not going to make it. And Jim was talking to me, he had such a great perspective on this, you know, 
they didn't have faith because they didn't realize that there's no way they would die because Jesus was in the boat with them. Jesus was in the boat with them. And it wasn't his time to die yet. So the disciples were going to die, but they didn't really have faith, so they didn't understand it. But, but they wake, we're going to die. We're going to, Jesus, you got to wake up. We're all going to die. Don't you even care? And, and so what does Jesus do? He, he gets up and, and he rebukes the wind and the waves. And what happens? They obeyed. Jesus rebukes the wind and the waves and says to be still, and and the wind and the waves just stopped. Isn't that crazy? I mean, isn't that insane? And that kind of opened up my mind to think about this paradox, because in everything else, in all of creation, God speaks, and it is. Right? Creation, in the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, God spoke and it was. God spoke and it was. God spoke and it was. God God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God said, you know, the land and the sea all split up, and let there be animals, let there be man, and all this stuff. God spoke, and it was. Jesus, in the boat, speaks, and the waves stop. Later in this chapter, the story we're going to talk about next week, Jesus talks to the demons and they come out. And at the end of this story, when Jesus told the man who had been possessed by the demons to go and tell everyone what had happened, he did it. And then the next story we're going to talk about the week after that where Jesus speaks and the dead girl comes back to life. When, when, when he says, little girl, get up, she just sits up. Just, just sits right up. She just did it. She just obeyed. Even death had to immediately obey life. In everything all around us, God speaks and it is. God speaks and it obeys. But with us, God speaks. And we think, I, th- I think I can figure out a better way. I mean, that, I mean that's all, that all sounds well and good, Jesus, but, but you know what? I, I, that was 2,000 years ago, and I think I can figure out a better way today. With us, God speaks, and we question, and, and we doubt, and we resist. Everything in all of creation obeys when God speaks, except for us. Is this not the the key aspect of true salvation? That that we as humans rebelled against God. We we chose to give God the finger and say we can do it ourselves. We don't need you. Thank you very much. And when we come to our understanding that no, that's actually not true. We need Jesus. We need the cross. There are things that we cannot do for ourselves that we need God's help on. And And it's that coming to the realization that we need someone to save us that actually brings us to salvation. Is it not, should it not then also be the characterizing trait of Christianity for that to continue on after we continue to follow Jesus? Right? I mean, when God speaks, it is. When God speaks, it is. So when God says, you are my son, you are my daughter, that is, that, that exists, that is the truth. 
but do we receive it? Do we let the seed grow up in our lives to produce fruit? Have you ever been here? Have you ever prayed to God and while you're praying, you feel like God doesn't hear you? I have. I've had lots of times like that. Where, where I'm praying, it's like, man, it just feels like, you know, my prayers are hitting the ceiling. You've probably heard that expression. I pray and just, it just seems like I pray and I pray and I pray and I pray. And God, where are you? God, why don't you hear me? Why does it feel like God doesn't hear us when we pray? When it feels like God doesn't hear us when we pray, why is that? Why does it feel like God's not listening? He has his own timeline. Our relationships aren't correct. But what's, what's just kind of that underlying thing makes it feel like God's not listening to me? We're not getting what we want. What was that? It might not be right. Yeah, it might not be the right thing for us, but, but I think when we pray and it feels like God doesn't hear us, why does it feel like that? Doesn't it feel like God's not hearing us when we're not getting what we want? Doesn't it feel like God doesn't hear us when he's not moving like we expect him to move, when he's not doing what we think he should do? Right? I mean, I think that's just kind of our, our, okay, well, I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying, but God's not answering my prayer how I think he should answer my prayer because he knows better. He knows what we need, not what we want. And so, you know, but, but I, th I just feel like, well, he's not giving me what I want. And so, God, do you hear me? In our house, we, we have a rule. It's obey the first time and fast. Because delayed obedience is still disobedience. And if we tell the kids to clean their rooms, and this, I'm not saying this did or did not happen. It wasn't Hannah, but there were maybe, maybe it could have been some kids that live in our house, maybe, that, that over the, a week or so ago, we've been telling them to clean their rooms, and they went a few days, and they hadn't done it. If you tell your kid to clean the room, and they don't do it, did they listen? No. See, we, we understand on this on, on, on the most basic levels in everything. We, we understand that, that as a parent, if I tell my kid to do something, they don't do that. They didn't really listen. They, they just didn't hear me. They might have heard what I said. They might have even nodded their heads, but they turned around and went the other way. True hearing equals doing. And if we really look at our lives, if, if we really do an assessment of our lives where we are, myself included, by the way, I'm in this category. If we look at our lives and we really do an assessment of the things that have influence in our lives, the, the, the things that we're really listening to and the things that we find ourselves replicating after we've heard them, We would probably say, have to say that we have a better relationship with things like Netflix and YouTube and Amazon than we do with God. I 
I mean, aren't there probably things in our life that, that we say, that we do, that we think that we've acquired through these streams? I mean, most of us have been more committed to Netflix and Amazon than, well, you get the point. Hearing equals doing. What did Jesus say to the disciples in the boat when he woke them up? So the disciples went and woke them up saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. And he asked his disciples, where is your faith? See, part of the problem we're facing, I think, right now is that, that we, we think faith is just something that's in our minds. We've talked about this a lot, that faith is just kind of this intellectual idea, this intellectual assent. And, and that's very popular in our world and our culture today, where it's just this intellectual agreement. Like, that's, that's my faith. You know, you know don't, don't talk about my faith. And, and, we can, and we can have all kinds of faith and faiths that never actually affect who we are as human beings. In fact, there have been studies that have been done that, that show people who have different faiths, but at the same time, their lives look almost identical. You can say you have faith, but if it's not in your, in your actions, in your life, in your day-to-day -day living, do you? 1 John chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' son cleanses us from all sin. James chapter 2, verse 14. You, this one should sound familiar. It says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says that he has faith but doesn't have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. This week I have to confess to you, I had a moment where my faith was dead. I had a moment where, where I had this opportunity to put my faith into practice. Our family went to McDonald's on Sunday after church last Sunday, and I know a lot of you are better than McDonald's, so you can just look over that. But, but we went to McDonald's, and we, were, we sat there and we ate, and, and a couple came into the McDonald's and kind of sitting over there in the corner. And I could hear one of them in the bathroom uh, earlier while we were there, and, you know, a homeless couple or something not right. And while we were sitting there, you know, as, as I was kind of sitting there with my family, and we were just kind of talking about what we learned this morning at church, you know, how you got to be the good soil and all that stuff. And the kids were actually talking about these parables that we're talking about today, which was amazing how that lined up. And 
And, and we're sitting there, and just kind of sitting there while I'm feel, like I'm sitting there eating, just feeling this feeling like I should go over and, and sit with this couple. I don't know what. I don't know why. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I don't know anything. But I just feel like I'm supposed to go over and sit with this couple and, and maybe buy them a meal, maybe, maybe buy them something, maybe tell them about our food pantry or tell them that if they really need something, we, we'll, we'll try to help them as best we can. I, I don't know, but... I kind of, you know, looked at them, and they were talking to one another, and, you know, I didn't know what was going on, and I just decided it was easier to leave. So I did. I left. I went home. My faith was dead. I can say I believe something. I can say that, that I have faith. But if my faith, if, if this alive Christ that is living in me, that is bringing me back to life, tells me to do something and I don't do what he tells me to do, I don't really have faith. My belief was in something else entirely, not in the one who saved me. My faith was dead. So what does the light have to do with anything? I wrestled and wrestled and wrestled with that. What does the light have to do with anything? That's how Jesus started off this parable. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. What does the light have to do with hearing, with listening? Well, I think hearing the, tru the truth and not doing it is like lighting a lamp and hiding it. Hearing the truth like we do so many times, I listen to all, I mean, I listen, I'm, I, I'm, I'm pro, not all of you, I'm sure some of you listen to more sermons and more biblical teaching than I do, but man, I listen to a lot of teaching, I listen to a lot of sermons, I listen to a lot of people talk about Jesus and talk about God. If, if anyone's heard the truth, it's this guy right here. And, and, and yet, if, if, if lighting a lamp and hiding it is like hearing the truth but not doing it, I hid my light this week. I, mean, I struggled with the weight of that for, for a lot of the week. Even this morning as I was preparing. If I, if I really believe, then, then, then this light that God has given me to shine, this light that shines in me of his truth, well, it should just shine. No matter what, no matter where. But hearing the truth and not doing it is like lighting a lamp and hiding it. That's why I think Jesus says here, we need to be very careful about how we listen. I'm not the world's greatest communicator, probably never will be. But are we good listeners? Are we good at listening? Do, do we hear the truth and then live it out? 
Do we turn on the light and let it shine, or do we turn it on, you know, come, come to church for a little bit on Sunday and hear about God, or we read our Bible a little bit in the morning and we just kind of get this idea about God. God's great, God's good, I love him, Jesus is so awesome, woo Go to work, and it's like, okay, that doesn't belong here. Or maybe some of you, you know, have family that doesn't believe. And you spend time with God and you spend time with Jesus and Jesus kind of turns on this light of the truth and it just kind of comes to life in your heart and comes to life in your mind and your whole being. It just kind of springs to life and then, oh, but I, I, can't, I can't tell them that. I, I, can, I can't do that. I can't say no to that. question for us this morning is, is my life an echo of the light? Is my life an echo of the light? We need to become better echoes. I think we need to spend more time with God so that we look more like God. That's why I'm asking, I'm not asking, I'm not asking you to read your Bibles for my benefit. I want you to know God. I want you to experience God on a daily basis. I want, I want us to pray together so that, so that we as a body together are experiencing the presence of God so that we know what God feels like, we know what God sounds like. And when, when God speaks to us, we have something to go off of because we know who he is because we've spent time with him. We need to be better echoes. We need to have and hold more of God just like we do in a marriage. We need to have and to hold from this day forward. For better, for worse, for in sickness and in health. Till death do us part. I need to have and to hold more of God. Is my life an echo of the light? Uh, we, we need to learn more of God's catchphrases, and, and I'm guilty of this. We need to probably spend less time quoting catchphrases from popular TV and culture. All of that stuff. Let's learn God's catchphrases. Let's let God's catchphrases be the things that come to mind in conversation when we're talking. Let's let God's mannerisms and the things that he wants us to embody as his children be the things that we actually start to look like and embrace and become. Let's be better echoes. Not only learn to act like he did, but to react like he did. This is somewhere I need to grow, where my reactions still can be very human. I can, I can respond in anger. I, I, can, I can, without thinking, get mad at my kids. And I don't react like Jesus would have reacted. I need to be a better echo. my life an echo of the light, or am I hiding it? Verse 18, it says, to the one who echoes, more will be given. To the one who does not echo, even what they think they're echoing will be taken away. Is my life an echo of the light? I want to close this morning singing you a song, which is kind of uncomfortable and awkward. 
Weird. It's a hymn. It's an old hymn. I love what I love the songs we sing. I love our worship team and our worship band. I love what we do here. I grew up singing hymns, and oftentimes when I'm wrestling with a topic like this, that that's what comes to mind. And at first, the first hymn that came to mind was the trust and obey, and that's probably accurate. But we don't like to talk about obedience and being obeying Jesus. You know, it's not really popular to say those kinds of things anymore. So I thought, well, maybe there's something else. And, you know, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. That was the song that came to mind. And I thought, that's not what it is. That's not what it means to be an echo, right? It's not just about trusting. That is the point. That's what Jesus was talking about with the disciples in the boat. Don't you have faith? Don't you trust me? Don't you, don't you, if you really believed in me, you would understand that you weren't going to die. It is about trusting in Jesus. But this was the one that came to mind. Oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer. This is my constant longing and prayer. Gladly I'll forfeit all of earth's treasures. Jesus, thy perfect likeness to wear. Oh, to be like Thee, oh, to be like Thee, blessed Redeemer, pure as Thou art. Come in Thy sweetness, come in Thy fullness, stamp Thine own image deep on my heart. Oh, to be like Thee, full of compassion, loving, forgiving, tender and kind, helping the helpless, cheering the fainting, seeking the wandering sinners to find. Oh, to be like Thee, oh, to be like Thee, blessed Redeemer, pure as Thou art. Come in Thy sweetness, come in Thy fullness, stamp Thine own image deep on my heart. Oh, to be like Thee, lowly in spirit, holy and harmless, patient and brave, meekly enduring cruel reproaches, willing to suffer others to save. Oh, to be like Thee, Lord, I am coming, now to receive the anointing divine. All that I am and have I am bringing, Lord, from this moment all, all shall be thine. 
Oh, to be like Thee, oh, to be like Thee. Blessed Redeemer, pure as Thou art, come in Thy sweetness, come in Thy fullness, stamp Thine own image deep on my heart. Oh, to be like Thee while I am pleading, Pour out thy spirit, fill with thy love. Make me a temple, meet for thy dwelling, fit for a life which thou wouldst approve. Oh, to be like thee, oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, pure as thou art. Come in thy sweetness, come in thy fullness. Stamp thine own image deep on my heart. Is my life an echo of the light? Let's stand together this morning. Heavenly Father, you are a good, good Father. You are the image we were made in. You sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to be the visible, manifest presence of yourself here on this earth. And we saw with our eyes what it was like, what it looked like to be made and to live in the image of God. It's so easy for myself, Father, for all of us, I'm sure, to hear you asking us, to hear you speaking to us, to hear you saying to us, do this, don't do that, do this. It's so easy to, to hear you prompting us and to, as we read in your word, hear you speaking right to our hearts and as we pray, hear you speaking right to our souls. Even as we're gathered together in the presence of one another, as you speak through other believers to encourage us and to say things to us that you want to reinforce to us, it's, it's easy to hear those things but not do them. Father, I pray, stamp thine own image deep on our hearts. Put the root of that seed of the gospel of the word of life so deep in our hearts, so deep in our soul and in our inmost being, in the, in the deepest rest, recesses of who we are, stamp your image there. And Father, I pray, bring that image to life. Grow that up in us. Let that come to life in us, and let that be the image of the life that we lead. Father, I pray in these last moments that we share together this morning, if there's anything where we've been echoing the world more than we've been echoing you, if we've been echoing non-belief and, and self-belief more than we've been echoing our belief in you, Father, bring that to mind. Bring that up right now to the forefront, 
bring that up right in, in, the, in the very front of who we are, in the front of our minds, our souls, our hearts, our spirits, everything about it. Bring it up that we may let you shine your light on it, and we know that your light will shine, that there is nothing hidden when the light shines on it. Father, shine your light on it. Illuminate what it is. Bring it to the light so that it can be dealt with. And Father, get it out of our hearts. Get it out of where it doesn't belong and replace it with you, with your presence, with your love, with your grace, with your truth. Let us be a people that echo the light of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.